Today we're going to look at, uh, continue our series, uh, Summer in the Psalms, and we're going to take a look at Psalm 115. Um, so Psalm 115 is really part of a collection of psalms. It's called the Egyptian Halal, and um, it is recited or sung um, with, within the Jewish community during times of celebration. It is actually a remembrance of the, um, when Israel was delivered out of the hands of Egypt. This particular psalm uh, was, would be sung in the congregation or recited within the congregation, and it would be done as a responsive kind of song or responsive reading. So I'm going to ask um, MJ and Erica to come up, and we're going to uh, read the scripture for you. To us, but to your glory, your name gives glory because of your mercy, because of your truth. Why should the Gentiles say, So where is their God? But our God is in heaven, He does whatever He pleases. Their idols are silver and gold, the work of men's hands. They have mouths, but do not speak, eyes they have, but they do not see, they have ears, but do not hear, noses they have, but they do not smell. They have hands, but do not handle. For their feet they have, but they do not walk. Nor do they mutter through their throat. Those who make them are like them. So is everyone who trusts in them. O Israel, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. O house of Aaron, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. You who fear them will trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. The Lord has been mindful of us. He will bless us. He will bless the house of Israel. He will bless the house of Aaron. He will bless those who fear the Lord, both small and great. May the Lord give you increase more and more. You and your children. May may you be blessed by the Lord who made heaven and earth. The heavens, even the heavens, are the Lord's. But the earth he has given to the children of men. The dead do not praise the Lord, nor any who go down into silence. But we will bless the Lord from this time for, for, for forever and forevermore. Praise, praise the, the Lord. Lord. In today's society, especially in the political realm, we hear of fake news. It's something of a kind of a new phenomenon, this terminology that we use, um, and we kind of get used to it. We're used to it now as Americans. Um, It's a term that we've come to hear and to recognize and to know of, and it also has effects on us. It affects us as now sometimes as Americans, we're not sure whether the news is real or not. But it's not new 
in the world. There has always been fake news. And the Israelites faced it even from the inception of their uh, forming as a nation, as the children of God. They were always surrounded by the fake news. And in our psalm today, we see that um, they face this issue as well. They start off the psalm with, Not unto us, O Lord, not unto us, but to your name give glory because of your mercy, because of your truth. Israel had this great capacity to worship and to praise the Lord. And in the Psalms, we find so many of their hymns that are sung in their congregational worship, in their private times of worship. And normally the first thing we see is that they don't give the glory to themselves. They give the glory to God. And in this Psalm, they they start off with this because they recognize this allows them to recognize who they are and who their God is. See, Israel was surrounded by polytheistic countries. It was very odd when God said to Israel, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. Because all of their surrounding neighbors worshipped more than one God. And you could pick and choose which God you will serve and which God was more important to you. Was it the God of harvest or the God of fertility? But Israel's God said, nope, there's only one and I am he. So they recognize this when they say, not unto us, but to you, O Lord. And then they say, but God, why, why should the nations, why should the Gentiles say, where's their God? And so they're, it's almost as if they're saying to God, prove that you are true so that the nations don't say, mm-hmm, where is their God? So they, then they go on to say, but our God is in heaven. He does what he pleases. They put God in his place because he is sovereign over all. He's not an idol in a temple that we have to go, that they would have to go to. He was in heaven above all things. He was over all things, not only on the earth, but above the earth. He was above all things. There was no other God like him. Then they go on to say, the psalmist goes on to kind of describe their idols. And their idols are made of silver and gold, the work of men's hands. Um, the other day, Carson asked me, uh, was God born or wh- where did God come from? That's, that's a good question. And my answer is, he didn't come from anywhere. He's always been. Now, I want you to take a minute and think about that if you've never thought about it. He's always been. There was no beginning of God. He has always been. That's hard for me as a 52-year-old man to comprehend. Because we're used to the beginning and the end. You know, the story has the beginning. A long, long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. And then it has the, has the end. Um, sometimes Star Wars will end. I don't know if it has or not yet. But, um, but it normally has an end. Uh, but God does not have a beginning. He's always been. But what the psalmist is saying is here, here is that 
Listen, these idols that your neighbors have, that these Gentiles have, they were made by men's hands. Sure, they have mouths, but they can't speak. They have eyes, but they can't see. They have ears, but don't hear. Noses, but they don't smell. They have hands, but they do not handle. Feet, but they do not walk. Nor do they mutter through their throat. Those who make them are like them, so is everyone who trusts in them. Basically, what they're saying is, there's nothing to these idols. They're dead. They have all these features of a human being, and all these features that we attribute to God, to their one true God, but those features are nothing. They don't function. And those who have made them and those who trust in them, they're the same way. They're dead. Then it goes on to say, O Israel, trust in the Lord. O house of Aaron, trust in the Lord. You who fear the Lord, trust in the Lord. Because he is their help and their shield. This living God is their help and their shield. The Lord has been mindful of us. It goes from a proclamation of, if I were saying, O Israel, a command, O Israel, hey you, trust in the Lord. Then it comes around to us. The leader now says, it's us. He has been mindful of us. When I read this, uh, it made me think of, um, it's not an old song, it's a pretty contemporary song, but it's called He Knows My Name. And um, it's a very powerful song. But it reminds me that God is mindful of me. So mindful that he knows my name. Israel, even though uh, theirs was normally a corporate worship and uh, their religion was a corporate religion and their nation was under the authority of God, Israel knew that their God was mindful of them. He did not forget them. He did not leave them, but he was always, they were always on his mind. Oh, that's another song, but that's country. Anyway, you were always on my mind. Um, So he is mindful of us. He will bless us. And then he goes through, he will bless the house of Israel, which is the nation. He will bless the house of Aaron, which is the spiritual, which are the spiritual leaders. He will bless those who fear the Lord. Comes down to individuals, both great and and small, both small and great. He will bless them. Then it goes into the blessing of may the Lord give you increase more and more, you and your children. May you be blessed by the Lord who made heaven and earth. Again, they repeat, the heaven, even the heavens are the Lord's, his dwelling place. He's above all things. But the earth he has given to the children of men, to be rulers over that the earth. The dead do not praise the Lord, nor any who go down into silence. But we will bless the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. Praise the Lord. There are two things I get out of this psalm. And there are two versions we're going to do of that. First, God is a personal God. Second, well, let me, first, God is real. He's very real. And second, he's personal. He's a personal God. 
And those two go hand in hand. We see it in the Old Testament, part one, the Old Testament. Even from the very beginning of time, when God created the heavens and the earth, it's amazing. He took nothing and created something. He spoke. He spoke. And it happened. And he created, you know, we, I guess we all know the story of creation. He, and the last thing he created were, was the human beings, Adam and Eve. And we remember Adam and Eve as being the first humans. And we remember that they sinned and were cast out of the garden. But sometimes we forget what happened in between them being created and them being thrown out of the garden. They walked with God in the garden. They walked with God. Not like we walk with God. Like, you know, I have Jesus in my heart. And I'm not downplaying this. This is very important. I have Jesus in my heart and we walk together. Literally, God walked in the garden with them. Genesis says, and God came to walk with them and they hid themselves. That's how we know he walked with them. Why would God walk with with Adam and Eve if he wasn't a personal God? He wanted a relationship with them. He didn't just want to be, I'm God. You're not. You know, he wanted to feel that love and companionship, that friendship that only he could give to them. This was a perfect harmony. This was perfect uh, unity in their relationship with God. As we go through the uh, Old Testament, we see time and time again how God did this. Even in the uh, when when God called Moses, God called him through a burning bush. It was an encounter. It was a personal encounter with God. One showing His power. The burning bush was not consumed. But yet he wanted Moses, he called Moses personally to lead his children. Moses, again, through Moses, he met God on the mountain when the Ten Commandments were given. God spoke to Moses. There was a cloud that descended upon the mountain. God was real to Moses. It was a personal relationship. And then, of course, when uh, going through uh, the, the deliverance, of the children of Israel, all those um, plagues that were shown. But even in the deliverance, the way the Red Sea was parted, the way that the Egyptians were swallowed up in the Red Sea, this was real to them. Again, wanting a personal relationship. When the children of Israel started their uh, travels, Through the desert, God wasn't some just some idol that they took with them and carried with them. God led them by a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. His very presence was with them for years and years and years, leading them through the desert. So why should the Gentiles say... Where is their God? He's right here. See that cloud? That's the presence of the Lord. See that pillar of fire? That's the presence of the Lord. And you can see time and time again Joshua and the battle of Jericho. But there's also a battle after Jericho. Um, 
where five kings, five Gentile kings, came against the Israelites. And God specifically said to Joshua, don't be afraid. I'm with you. I will deliver them into your hand. So the battle begins. And of course, Israel is beating the five armies. God rains hail down on the armies to destroy them. But then Joshua says, sun, stand still. And the sun stood still. Time literally stopped. Once again, why should the Gentiles say, where is their God? You want to see God? Look at this. Now, there was a purpose for that so that the enemies could be overcome and destroyed. But God wanted that because he had made a personal promise to Israel. I will give you this land. And he was fulfilling that promise. One of my favorites is Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace. The king says, everyone needs to bow down to me. And Shadrach and Meshach said, nope, can't do it. They knew their God so well. And he was so personal, personal to them. They said, even if he doesn't deliver us, we will not bow down to your God. And of course, we know the story that... Hopefully you know the story, I should say. Uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were thrown into the fiery furnace. The furnace was so hot that the, the guards that threw them in died from the heat. But here they are standing. And when the king said, what's happening? He looked in and he says, lo, I see as if the Son of God is with them. Didn't we throw three in? Now I see four. Why should the Gentiles say, where is their God? A personal God coming down to save them in their time of trial. Again, so many stories that we see in up to this time, Israel has such a rich history of seeing their God deliver them, seeing the power of their God in, in motion and for, for his purposes and for his dealings. The Old Testament isn't just a book of history for us. It isn't a book of, you know, well, this is what that religion was like that turned into our religion. The book, the Old Testament, is is our faith and our religion. It shows us how God, from the very beginning of time, desired a personal relationship with us. Each one of us, not just a general relationship with humankind, mankind, but a personal relationship with each individual. And this is a foreshadowing of that. Everything we see in the Old Testament leads us to Christ and leads us to our wonderful God who wants a relationship with us, who wants to be personal with us. As we go through this, we, we see, again, their idols. They used to have just real idols. Uh, you know, I don't know how tall they were, but we have a couple nowadays. There are uh, Buddhas that we see idols of. Um, but then there are idols that we don't really make with our hands. But they, they take away our time from God. They take away our thoughts from God. And you can think of them. I don't have to recite whatever they are. It can be anything, really. 
So in today's language, how does how does this how does this relate to us? A psalm so many years, thousands of years old, how does that relate to us on the opposite side, on the other side of Calvary, on the other side of the cross? First, not unto us. It's still not unto us. All the glory belongs to God. So it's not to me, oh God, it's not to Valley. What is happening in Valley, in our worship services, in the lives of people, how God continues to open up doors of opportunity of ministry, that's not unto us. That is unto God. That's not unto uh, the pastor. That's not unto Valley as a congregation. It's not unto the Southern Baptist as a convention. All glory belongs to God. Not to us, O God, but unto you be the glory. May his name be lifted up. Man, I love... God works through Wendy, I'm just telling you. Um, The name Jesus... What a wonderful name. And when we lift him up, there is power in that. Not unto us, but unto you, O God, because of your mercy and your truth. Why should the nations around us say, where's Bally's God? Where is he? Well, because of his truth and his mercy. What was his mercy? Well, on this side, man, his mercy was Calvary. See, we... we we humans have a tendency to turn away from God. In the very beginning, it happened. And it, it happens all the time. But God, in his mercy, rich in love, sent his son. Now, I, I want to step back away from, from this for a minute and say something about that. Because so often growing up, I heard, we were so unworthy to be loved. We are not worthy of love. We cannot, you know, God loves us not because we earn his love, but because he's so wonderful. And in a certain context, that's true. We are not worthy. There's nothing we can do to earn God's love. Our acts of righteousness, uh, being kind to one another, giving a lot of money to charities, that doesn't earn God's love. But let me say, our worth comes from how God sees us. See, because even before salvation, even before that time of you uh, making a decision, anyone making a decision to follow Christ, there is worth in that person. All people are worthy. Why? Because God says so. Now, are we, are we good enough to enter heaven and to have a relationship with God in and of ourselves? No. But God values us because he created us. He loves us. So let me say that you are valued. You are worthy. You are loved. No matter what your relationship is with Jesus, no matter how you feel about God, you are loved. Your life has value. And believers, followers of Jesus, that's why we believe in the sanctity of life. That's why we, we believe that each human is worthy of respect. Each wor- human is worthy of life. Each human is worthy to be treated with respect.
Because God values each human. It's not dependent on how he or she acts. It's not dependent on whether they follow Jesus. It is dependent upon them being a human being created in the image of God. All are worthy of respect and love. And God shows that to us. See, God could have easily just said, I'm done. I, I, I'm, I made a mistake in creating human beings. God doesn't make mistakes, by the way. Um, and he could have just said, that's enough. But he didn't. And we can read in the Bible the whole story. Our idols are worthless. Trust in the Lord. The Lord has been mindful of us. Blessings to you. I want to tell you that God is real. It's, it's no coincidence, and I didn't know this was going to happen. Um, Edith, it is so good to see you. I, I, let me tell you something. When she came in, I was like, thank you, Lord. If, if you don't believe me, if you, or if you want to hear how God real can be, sit down with this woman and let her tell you how real God is. Okay? We, you know, I'm a musician. Um, and going through this scripture, so many songs came to mind in the garden. And he walks with me and he talks with me. And he tells me I am his own. So many times we let life come in us and we get so burdened. Israel was like that. Man, we're slaves and, and we're never going to get out of Egypt. But God kept reminding them, I'm here, I'm with you. And then the deliverance finally came. It wasn't easy. It wasn't just like... Proof, and he transported all the Israelites into the promised land. They had to go through the wilderness for 40 years. Part of that was of their own doing, part of it. But time and time again, God proved himself to be true, to be real, to be personal. When it says... The dead do not praise the Lord, nor any who go down in silence. But we will bless the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. Praise the Lord. The dead don't praise the Lord. Whether on earth or in the afterlife. There's no, there's no praise of God in hell. But Israel, the psalmist says, but we will bless the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. It wasn't just talking about here on earth. Why, if they will bless the Lord today, tomorrow, and forevermore. Because even in the afterlife, we will bless the Lord. Because he's real. Death doesn't, doesn't, is not the end. There is an eternity out there. 
and God is real. Listen, when I go to heaven, all these people say, I've heard many people say, the first question I'm going to ask when I see Jesus, when I see God, I'm like, well, that's, it's kind of prideful, don't you think? <laughs> I mean, you know, you're, you're going to be in the presence of Almighty God. Almighty God. And the first thing out of your mouth is, why did blah, blah, blah. I think the first thing out of my mouth is, thank you. And just falling at his feet. Now, I can only imagine um, what that will be like. But I, I, he has been so good to me. And to my family, I've seen him time and time again, woo, prove his goodness. I've seen him time and time again, even in the valley. Man, those valleys can be deep sometimes. And you don't even know why you're going through a valley. There might not be any reason to go through a valley, but you're still in the valley. But God has proven himself. You feel that gentle touch when you lay your head down to sleep. You say your prayers, and sometimes they feel like they're, they're hitting the ceiling and bouncing back. But man, sometimes you feel the presence of Almighty God in that time of trial. And you just, there's something that wells in, up within you. And even if you don't, I'm going to praise you. Even in the storm, I'll lift your name, Jesus, because I know you'll calm the storm eventually. But even if the storm isn't calm, I know you're holding me. <coughs> I know though I walk, psalmist knew it again. Man, I love the psalms. Yay, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. That doesn't mean that I'm dying necessarily. That means that I'm experiencing death around me. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for thou art with me. Mm. Jesus walks with me. He doesn't walk beside me. He's in me. Man, scripture says the power, the same power that raised Christ from the dead lives within us. That's a personal God. That's God, my God, who wants to raise you up into life. Not just normal humdum life, but abundant life. Eternal life. When I was growing up, my mom listened to Southern gospel music. I love Southern gospel music. But a lot of their songs focus on eternity, which is good. There's truth in that, okay? But scripture tells us Christ came to give us life abundant here and now. Now, I'm, I'm, this doesn't mean that he came to give us life Fancy cars, we're never going to have financial problems, we're never going to have relationship problems, everything's going to be hunky-dory, you'll never get sick. That, no, that's not true. The truth is that no matter what circumstances are surrounding us or what circumstances we're going through, we have life in Christ because we know that we know he holds us in his hands. I may be sick, I may be dying. But death isn't the end. I may have financial woes, but it's not the end. I may not be able to get along with my family, 
but it's not the end. You know why? Because there's always, always hope in Jesus. I may not be getting along with my family, but I'll love them anyway. I'll pray with them. I'll pray for them. And I don't know what God has in store. He may bring reconciliation. I've just seen it too many times. Even yes, last night, a friend of mine, she and her husband, they pastor a church down in uh, Tampa, Florida. And she didn't uh, go into detail. She just asked, she asked for prayer on Friday. And she said, I can't go into details, but a letter is being delivered. I just ask for God's favor. I just want God's favor on this. And then yesterday she uh, posted that she had received knowledge that the letter had been received because it was, uh, you know, where you have to sign for one of them. She had received the notification that the letter had been received. And within two hours, she got a phone call from this person saying, I got your letter. Can my daughter come visit you? Her and her boyfriend are in in Tampa this weekend. Within two hours. I, I don't know what the outcome is. But I know this. God heard her prayer. And he answered her. And in this situation, he answered her right away. (laughs) See, that's a personal God. That's a real God. The idols we have today, they may entertain us for a while. They may drown our sorrows for a while, but they don't last. Because when I pray, I know, I know my God hears. I was thinking about this and like, you know, it's kind, of, it's kind of silly because Scripture says God is spirit. So, like, God doesn't have a body like this. Jesus had a body when he was on earth. But we, we attribute what we know, how we understand. We attribute that to God, meaning God hears me, so obviously he has ears. God sees me, so he obviously has eyes. But all these attributes that <coughs> the idols didn't have, well, they, you know, they have mouths, but they don't speak. Oh, God speaks in many different ways, but he speaks. I've never heard the audible voice of God. Never. I don't know what I would do if I did. <laughs> um, I always wonder if it's going to be like, you know, that deep voice. Anyway, um, but I've heard his voice through scripture. He's spoken to me through scripture. He's spoken to me through music, a lot of times through music. He's spoken to me through his people, through circumstances, through the sp- spoken word. So yes, he does speak to us. They have hands, but they don't handle. Man, I love the image of God wrapping us. Oftentimes, I'll pray, God, please envelop this person in your love. Because God fully hugs somebody. He embraces us fully. No matter where we are, what's going around us, how we feel. Man, I'll be honest. There have been times I've been mad at God. Just really just want to have a 
drag out fight with him and let him know how I feel. Now, in the when I was growing up, <gasps> that was not allowed. However, in my years growing since then, what makes anybody think that God is not big enough to handle our arguments? Just saying. And he still loves us. He already knows the argument, so he knows how you feel because he's a personal God. He knows your thoughts before you speak. He walks with me and he talks with me. I love, I, again, I just love that when the image of God enveloping us in his arms. They have feet, but they don't walk. God walks with me. No uh, uh, old southern gospel song, God walks the dark hillsides. Just a reminder that when we're walking and it's dark, God is walking with us. He's in us. They have noses, but they do not smell. This one was a little harder to... <laughs> but you know, we are, we are a, free, a sweet fragrance unto the Lord. Our lives resonate within his nostrils as a sweet fragrance. They mutter. They do not mutter through their throat. Those who make them are like them. So is everyone who trusts in them. Well, listen, those who follow Jesus are like Jesus. He grows us. In, now, we don't become God. That's not what I'm saying. But on this journey of discipleship, we grow more and more like Jesus. We grow more and more in, in, in our minds and in our eyes. We, we start to think more like Jesus. And that person that bothered us yesterday and we just flew off the handle and we're like, oh. Today we think, man, God, please help them. I don't know what they're going through, but would you bless them? We see people totally different. Because in today's society, there is so much divisiveness. Black, white, Hispanic. Asian, male, female, liberal, conservative, Republican, Democrat. You know, but under at the cross of Calvary, we're all the same. In the eyes of Christ, we're all the same. We're just people. We might look different. We might act different. We might think different. But we're all people of worth, of value, and God loves. And as the church, that's how we should see people. Will we have our differences? Absolutely. Valley, our goal is to be not to be just one color of people. Our goal is to be multi-ethnic. That's not easy. Because we all have our preferences. Well, listen, you... I've been in church all my life. I grew up in an all-white church, and we still had our differences. So, you know, yeah. Am I right about it? You know, 
Nobody likes the color of the rug. Oh, don't sing that song. I don't like that song. Can we have this for supper or, you know, for our, our meal? Why does this committee get to choose? Why doesn't that committee get blah, 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 blah? So it doesn't matter what, what color your people are. You're still going to have differences. But our God is the same God. And our God is a personal God. And he'll unite us under the bond of Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit when we come together and lift up the name of Jesus because he is the one true God and he alone is worthy of our praise. Why, why should the Gentiles say, where's their God? Why should Lutherville say, where's their God? Why should Timonium and Towson, for me, Rosedale, why should any of these places say, well, where is Valley's God? Well, let me tell you where he is. He's right here. And Valley, as God continues to move in us, among us, and through us, they're going to see him more and more. Some people say, well, God doesn't do miracles anymore. Hogwash. Anytime a soul comes to the Lord, that's a miracle. Maybe I... You know, maybe he doesn't do these great, magnificent acts, but maybe he does, and we just don't see it. Maybe we don't ask him to because, hmm, because we believe the lie that he doesn't do it anymore. I'm just saying, listen, our God is big. Our God is real. Our God is personal. And he wants to do for us what he says he'll do in his word. The biggest miracle of all, and I'm not just spouting off theology or what I've learned. I'm not spouting off the uh, tradition. I once was lost, but now I see. Woo, I'm bound for the glory land. You know why? Because Jesus touched me. Listen, you want to know the truth about me? Ask Cindy. Okay? I'm just saying, because she knows what I'm like. In the good times and the bad times. And we all, you all know what I'm talking about. We all want these plastic shiny faces on Sunday. On Monday morning, we're like, oh. But God, but God in his mercy and in his truth, in his love, reached down to us so that we could have right relationship with him. He chases after us. That's the kind of God we serve. A personal God. A loving God. Why should the Gentiles say? They shouldn't. Because our God is real. Our God is awesome. This psalm is a psalm of praise. Of celebration. I hope that you can sing a song. Of celebration today. About what God has done in your life. Not just in the past. It's good to remember. What God has brought you out of. The deliverances he's made in your life. Or the times that he's just. He's maybe not delivered you. But you knew he was there. I hope you can sing a song of praise and adoration. For our one true God. Because we know. He has eyes to see, ears to hear, a mouth to speak, feet to walk, hands to handle. And I want to tell you today, no matter where you are, whether you're a follower of Jesus, 
and you're, everything's going good. Whether you're a follower of Jesus and you're just, you're barely hanging on. Or whether you don't know nothing about Jesus at all. Maybe you're angry at God. God loves you. And he wants a personal relationship with you. He wants to know you. He wants you to know him. As followers, we believe that. And we strive for that every day. Let's pray. God, thank you that you are the one true God. That you you see us. You hear us. You speak to us. You walk with us. You love on us. Thank you, Lord. In your son's name we pray. Amen.